Pastor Chad has been preaching on the name of the Lord. I don't know anything more strategic and more important for us than to know about this, but to let this be a part of your life every day. And I want to continue that today. I'm going to talk about praying in the name of Jesus. When you pray, is that just you throwing the dice and hoping you hit snake eyes? Is it just the luck of the draw? Is that how you approach it? He wants you to have all confidence when you pray that what you're asking for is going to happen. And we're going to talk about it this morning. I'm going to read the scripture, then I'll pray, and you can be seated. It's in Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> Paul said, In being found in human form, he, Jesus, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Would you just say his name? Let's pray. Father, by the power of the name of Jesus, we just invoke your authority in this house. And we know that there is no power, there is no opposition that can withstand the power of your name. May it be that every person here today hears your voice, receives it into their heart, their spirit, and Lord, they begin to walk further into the benefits, the blessings of living under the name of the Lord. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible reveals to us the names of the Lord. Actually, it's God who reveals these names to us because he's revealing himself. He doesn't want you to think that he's just some spiritual energy force. He wants you to know he's a person. And he wants you to know what he's like, what his characteristics are. And the good news is that God wants you to know him. He wants to be known. He is a person. He is personal. And by the grace of God, we can know him and know his ways. We first meet him in the Bible the book of Genesis as Elohim, the God who creates. I mean, 32 times in the first chapter that name Elohim is used. We meet him further as Chad has been preaching to us about Yahweh or Jehovah, the Holy Other. Almost 11,600 times in the Old Testament, a form of that Yahweh is used to tell us about him. He's above all. There's none like him anywhere before or after. There is Adonai is another name. It's a name that talks about God who is in control. In other words, absolute lordship, complete ownership and mastery. That's who he is. That's what he is. He claims unrestricted obedience from all. As I was reading and preparing for today, I began to realize that they, to me there's a sense of progression in these revelation of names as I went through in the Old Testament. For instance, in 
Genesis, I see that this is where in Genesis 4.26, where at that time people began to call on the name of the Lord. This was Seth. Seth was the son that was born to Adam and Eve after Abel had died. God had made a promise to Adam and Eve that he would give them a seed that would crush Satan's head, that would kick the dogs behind, okay? <laughs> and then Abel is killed. So God gives another son. This is the new seed. This is the seed that represents you and I. And this group of people is the ones who begin to call. And the word call just means there's a roar coming from earth. Calling for, calling unto the name of the Lord. I see where Abraham and Sarah, in the book of Genesis, they build altars at a place called Bethel, and there they call upon the name of the Lord. They'll do that more than once. I get to the book of Exodus, and in the book of Exodus, I see where God talks to a man named Moses and says to him, Moses, go confront Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's the most powerful force on earth. And Moses says to God, well, who can I say is sending me to do this? And he said, tell him I am sent you. In other words, let him know he's going to know who I am before this is over with. And then he goes on to tell Moses later on in Exodus chapter 20, be sure you teach the people that you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. Don't just think this is some casual thing that we're talking about here, the name of the Lord. You're going to learn to honor and respect it. Then it goes on in the book of Exodus where Chad's been preaching to us about where God tells Moses after he's been up on the mountain with him for these 40 days, he says, it's time for you to leave the mountain, go lead the people into the promised land. Moses says, well, who's going to go with us? And the Lord says, I'll send you my presence with you. And Moses says, if your presence is not going, don't send us. And the Bible says God was pleased with him for that. And then Moses said, come on, show me your glory. And the Lord said back to him, you could not live through the revelation of my glory. But here's what I'll do. I'll put you in the cleft of the rock, pass by, and you'll see my goodness. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, to you. In Exodus 34 and verse 5, that's exactly what God does. So I'm seeing in Genesis men calling out the name of the Lord. Now I'm seeing in Exodus, God calling out the name of the Lord. In other words, God is saying, I want my name to be known. In Leviticus, I see there where the Lord is teaching the priests whose job it is, whose obligation it is. They're going to come before God. They're going to handle the Lord's bread, the Lord's food. And then they're going to stand before God on behalf of the people and then stand before the people on behalf of God. And God is saying to them, he says, you shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of the Lord. He said, they shall be holy to their God and not profane the name of their God, for they offer the Lord's food offerings. Therefore, they shall be holy. In other words, if you're going to walk in this and use my name, then you have to live holy. Don't trifle with this thing called the name of the Lord. In Deuteronomy and into the book of Samuel, I see there where the the, the presence of the Lord begins to become synonymous with the name of the Lord. As a matter of fact, in 2 Samuel, the Bible says that David arose and went up and brought up from there the ark of God. That's the ark of his presence, the glory of God. Which It says, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts. So this glory, 
that will go with the people in this Ark of the Covenant is called the name of the Lord. <coughs> and I see this progression happening. When I get to Isaiah, I see now where Isaiah begins to talk, tell us about there shall be a virgin that shall bring forth a child, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, or God with us. In Isaiah 9 and 6, I hear him say, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government there shall be no end. In other words, now these names are progressing and everything is going to begin to point to one person and that person is the, is the person of Jesus. And what he's teaching us is this. He's teaching us that it will be the name of the Lord that will be the instrument through which or of which he uses to transact his business on this earth. Whatever happens on this earth happens because of Jesus and because of the name of the Lord. Whatever comes from heaven, if you want God's help in your world, this is the way you get it. It's by and through the name of the Lord. And the angel said to Joseph, don't fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is the apex of the revelation of God the Father to us. Paul said in Colossians that in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. All that God is, <coughs> all that God offers, you find it completely in this person of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is here on this earth. He comes, he lives, he ministers, he makes himself known. He becomes known, then he becomes hated, and then they illegally arrest him, they try him, they crucify him. He dies, he rises again, and when he rises again, he's going to meet with his disciples, and before he leaves this earth, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore. Make disciples of all nations. Behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the earth. As you go, preach, saying, take the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you've received, freely you shall give. How's that going to happen? Only in the name of the Lord. And so Jesus is going to teach his disciples what I would say is the authorized version of the use of his name. There's an authorized use. Obviously, there's an unauthorized use. The authorized use means this. You're not just used, it's not just a hashtag. When you pray and you say in Jesus' name, it's not just a hashtag that you just traditionally, religiously tag on the end of your prayer. Because in the name of Jesus, when it's used in its authorized form, it really is not referring about it refers to the person behind the name. They are synonymous. Jesus is going to teach his disciples about the power that's in that name. He's going to teach them that this is how you transact this kingdom business that God is assigning to us. And he's going to say something really wild 
In John 14, he's getting ready to leave. He's preparing his disciples to the last instructions. And this is something he says to them. He says, whoever believes in me will also do the works I do. And greater works than these will he do. What do you mean, greater? My goodness, we've seen you heal people. We've seen you speak to demons and they had to obey you. We've seen you stand in front of a dead man that was dead for four days and you call him back. And Jesus is saying to them, that was not just a show for you to watch. That's an example of what can happen in your life when you allow me to have my place in you. And so he says, whoever believes in me also will do the works I do and greater works than these will he do that the Father may be glorified in the Son if you ask me Anything in my name, I will do it. <laughs> now that just sets us back. What are you talking about? Anything in your name? So let's send that. Let's send that statement to the to the seminaries, to the professors, and let's ask them to exegete it. Let's ask them to study and do the language uh, research on it, and come back and tell us what he really means. And this is what they come back and tell us. What Jesus meant was, if you ask Jesus anything in his name then he promises he's going to do it. What a revelation. You mean I don't just have to take this stuff that life is throwing at me all the time? You mean that there's something else that I can resolve to, that I can go to, that I don't have to just sit back and let life beat me up? That I can do something, that maybe there is something that can be said that could reverse this? You mean to tell me that even though I come from a line of hooligans, and all they know is wrong and bad and bitter and, 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 and fighting and hurting and being hurt. You mean, even though I come from that, there's hope for my life that it could be different? You better believe it. And it's all in the name of Jesus. He goes on to teach them in John 16 even further. He says this to him. I, he said that the hour's coming when I'll no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. And I don't say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I've come from God. I came from the Father. I have come into the world, and now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. What is he saying? He's saying, I'm leaving this all in your hands. But don't think you're by yourself. Don't think because you can't see me that you can't have me, even though I'm physically not here. Where I'm going and what I'm going to do when I get there is I'm going to be the one through whom you now will have access directly to the Father. And when you need the touch of heaven, you can call on the name of the Lord. And because you go in my name God is going, the Father is going to receive you. The Father is going to hear you. The Father is going to respond to you just as if he's responding to me. You pressing that too far, preacher? I'm telling you the gospel truth. I'm telling you what Jesus was trying to get into the minds of these men who were going to have to go out and give their lives for the sake of the gospel. You do understand you're not here for your own self, don't you? You do understand the breath you breathe came from him. 
and that you do not have the right to say to him, no, I'm going to live my life. Listen, I said there's an authorized use, there's an unauthorized use. Let me tell you some things I've learned theologically about this. Number one, everything God does on this earth, he will do it through Jesus Christ. Everything God does on this earth, he will do it through Jesus. And I know that because Paul says in in 1 Timothy 2 and 5, that there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus. And he goes on to say in Hebrews 8 and 6, But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. The priests from before, there was a lot of them, but guess what? They all died. Well, this one here, he died, but he rose from the dead and lives forever. And guess what? Our priest is in heaven, and there the Bible says he ever lives to make intercession for us. That doesn't mean he's doing my prayers. That means he hears my prayers and he turns to the Father and said, this came from the lips of one of mine, Father, and God will always honor what his son requests. You see, Jesus wants us, like he wanted them, to have a confidence when you pray. It's not just rolling the dice to see if you get snake eyes this time. It's not just a, a, a shot in the dark and maybe it'll work this time. No. He wants you to know that there's a way for you to pray and your prayers will produce exactly as you ask God. So when you pray, pray believing that you receive and you should have what you ask for is what Jesus says. Don't pray and say, oh, I don't know. Quit looking at yourself and start looking at Jesus when you pray. The authorized version is the version where your identity is solely in him. Now, let me just reduce that down to one word, Lord. Somewhere in all of our cultural shifts, people have been made to believe or they've just assumed it upon themselves that they could be saved and still live the life they want to live. That's not true. You're not saved. My wife will tell me, you can't say that. She always worries I'll say things wrongly, and I probably do. But I'm telling you what the Bible says. The Bible says if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For, this is, for to this end Christ died and lived again that he might be both Lord of the dead and the living. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. You can't separate the Savior from the Lord. To get the Savior, you also got to receive the Lord. But when someone who's received him as their Lord and Savior, when you surrender your heart to him, you say, well, I'm trying, I want to. He just needs the want to. He'll come inside of you. He'll help you to overcome your weaknesses. But it's the want to you've got to have inside of yourself. And when you want to, when you surrender to him, you surrender ownership of your life, then kingdom authority becomes a part of your life. The more you surrender, the greater your authority. I'll just tell you, many prayers are unanswered because they're coming from lips of unsurrendered hearts. Some people think I can just do what I want to and then I get in trouble, I'll go call on the Lord. I wouldn't guarantee you're going to get those answers. But I do guarantee this. 
when you kneel at an altar, when you surrender yourself to him, when you make him your whole identity, when you realize he's not just going to forgive my sins, he's going to run my life. He's going to say to me, I want you to do this, and that's what I'm supposed to do. Or he's going to say to me, don't do that. And some people want to limit it down to what's sin and not sin. Let me tell you something. It doesn't have to be sin for God to say don't do it. All he can say to you is, I don't want that for you. And if he doesn't want it, then I've got to learn to be obedient. The key word is identity. But his lordship places his signature on the, re, on the, on the requisition that I put in for him. Does that make sense? You know, we, we build in this facilities down in Belize. And there's a business down there that we buy supplies from. It's called River Valley. And it's real close to where Dream Central is at. And so I, by phone, we set up a, an account. Well, I went in there to pay the bill last time I was down there, several thousand dollars. And I'm saying, okay, I want to see wh who signed for this. I mean, who made this request? Who made this purchase? I want to know. Well, there's no signatures. And I said to them, I'll never pay another one in here that doesn't have the signature of the person I know who's making the request. Can I tell you, that's a simple example, but that's exactly how it happens in heaven. When you make your request, then it, it, it can only have the signature of Jesus on it if Jesus is your Lord. And when you surrendered him, you may be weak in every other thing in every other way, but let me tell you, when you surrender to him, you become strong and mighty in prayer. Let me tell you what 1 John 5 says. John said, I write these to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest you spend another five minutes not knowing that you have eternal life. Well, I hope I do. That's not good enough. He wants you to have more than I hope so. Well, how can I know? When you give up your life, when you yield before him and say, Lord, I surrender all. Let me tell you, he will change you on the spot. I'm a living example of that. I went to church on a Wednesday night with this young lady just to have a date with her. And God had a date with me, and he body slammed me that night, and I yielded to him in that altar, and he changed everything I had not been able to change myself. Like that. When he takes over, he knows how to do the job. So, that you may know you have eternal life. Then he goes on, and this is the confidence that we have towards him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Let me tell you something. Your prayer life will take on a whole new dimension when you get away from I hope so to I know so. And the word know there is a simple word that just means intimate knowledge. It is a word that describes the sexual union of a married couple. I mean, they know one another closer, more intimately than they know anyone else. That's the kind of knowledge he wants us to have with him. And, and the Bible says if you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. And as you draw near to him, he's not going to beat you over the head with a stick. He's going to wrap his arms around you and welcome you in. And when you are welcomed in, again, guess what? You begin to take on the very, the very identity of Jesus Christ. 
It begins to be something that he puts desires inside of you. Fresh desires, new desires. And as you keep filling those desires, yourself with those desires, you keep being filled with that, then you're getting stronger. Your prayer life's going to take on a whole new dimension. You're going to come to a point in your prayer life where you don't worry or wonder, does God receive me or accept me? You know he accepts you. And you know it because you're not trusted in yourself. You know it because you're leaning solely on Jesus to be your representation. And then when you pray, you know, if you have confidence when you pray, guess what you'll do? You'll pray more. You'll be more bold in your prayers. Sometimes it's like we're afraid to ask God. You know why we're afraid to ask him? Because we don't feel worthy. Well, that's, that's good. You're not worthy. <laughs> and I'm not worthy. But Jesus is worthy. And when Jesus makes a request of the Father, the Father always gives a request. Always. Only one time did he not answer Jesus' request, and that's when Jesus was becoming sin for you and I. And he said to the Father, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not, your, not my will, but your will be done. In other words, and God turned away from him then only because he was becoming that which had separated you and I from God. And God was willing to let him become that so that God could turn to you and I. And when you turn back to God and say, Lord, thank you, I love you, I receive you, can I tell you, you begin to stand in the same position that God sees his son Jesus standing in. And it's a confident place. When you say, I prayed, but it didn't, I prayed in his name, and it didn't happen. And that is reality. Because we're living in a world that resists God. Not just people. I'm talking about the demonic world the spiritual world that resists everything about God. I mean, look at what's happening in our world today. It's a literal powder keg. It could go up and smoke tomorrow. And you know what I'm talking about. And then you look at us in the United States and what a slide and a, and a free fall we're on. We're to the point it's not even humane to think the way that they are now imposing thoughts upon us. I don't need to probably get into that. That would maybe be more than what I should say. But the bottom line is, what's going on? i tell you what's going on. The spirit of Antichrist is being multiplied. It's being aggravated. It's being stirred up. And the only thing that will stop it is the church who knows their God and who will get on their knees and start saying, No, sir, in the name of Jesus, you're not doing that now. You're not coming here now. You say, is that possible? Not only is it possible, that's the will of God. That's why we're still here. We're not here just living our own lives for ourselves so we can have careers and you know, reach retirement and have a half million dollars in a savings account and maybe we got enough money to last us till we die. That's not the purpose. The purpose is we're here because the name of the, whenever they begin to call on the name of the Lord and God begin to speak out the name of the Lord, it becomes obvious. God wants his name to be known on this planet. Why do you think they hate the name of Jesus? They hate it because the name of Jesus reminds them of the agony they're headed towards. And the Lord's trying to teach his disciples. I'm leaving you, but it's not going to be worse. It's going to be better. 
You're going to become the voices. You're going to become the faces. You're going to become the entities that carry this thing called the authority of God. Well, I prayed and it didn't happen. Let me tell you what. That's just life because of the resistance. And if it doesn't happen when you pray, it doesn't mean it won't happen. It just means God is preparing either you or the answer. And something's got to happen in greater preparation for you or for the answer or for both of you. Or it's the world situation. Listen, he promised Abraham blessings and it was going to happen through his son. The man was 75 years old when he got the promise. He was 100 years old before the son ever came. He, 25 years he waits on a promise. What do you do? You keep believing. You keep praying in the name of Jesus. Why? Because you're confident God will answer these prayers because these are prayers that are authorized by his son, Jesus. Amen. Authority. The name of Jesus is all about authority. Can I say it again? The name of Jesus is all about authority. When you speak that name, be ever conscious. You are establishing authority. We all love the word power because that's who we are. Jesus said this in Acts 1 and 8 to his followers. Right before he ascends, he says this to them. You're going to remain in Jerusalem until you're endued from power with power from on high. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And in the New Testament, there's five different Greek words for the word power, but two of them I want to point out this morning. One is the one there, you will receive power. It's dunamis. It's the word that we get our word dynamite from. It is inherent power. Now, I could hold a stick of dynamite in my hand today, and you would know it's dynamite. But if somebody lights that fuse, I'm throwing that sucker because it's about to explode with that inherent power. And that's what, that's what he was saying to them. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But then there's that other word, exousia, which means authority. Authority. And I have come to realize that as great as power is, authority is even greater. Because power is might. But authority is the right to the might. He said to them, I'm giving you the right. I'm giving you the authority to have the power that you've seen come through me operate in your life. And so that's why he says, when you go out, heal the sick. He said, when you go out, preach the gospel. Tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's within hand's reach. The miracle you need is within a hand's reach. The power that you need to overcome that generational curse is within hand's reach. You have this authority. You do not have to just take the mess as if you can't do anything about it. He's saying, stand up in the name of Jesus and say no in the name of Jesus. And when you stand up and when you say no, guess what? It will not be as it was before. So he sends them out in Luke chapter 9. He took the 12 disciples, and the Bible says he gave them power and authority. Both words. Power and authority to cure diseases. And he said to them, take off. Go preach. Heal the sick, cast devils out, raise the dead. Unheard of things. You know, they think we're crazy, and we are. But it's the best crazy there is. 
I'm looking at people I know whom God's miracle powers touched you. Miracles, healings, deliverances. I mean, I'm standing before you as one that's just like that. And so they went out and they did that. Man, that was exciting. The 12, they come back with a chest all, chest all puffed out. Mm-hmm, yeah. Well, Luke 10, what does he do? He gets 72 others and sends them out. In other words, look, boys, don't get you. Don't get your egos out in front of, this is not just about you. This is about the whole body. This is about everybody. I'm going to take this gift and I'm going to, I'm going to bless the whole kingdom, my, my whole body with it. And he sends them out the same way, gives them authority. Sends them out saying, heal the sick and just tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. Well, the Bible said in verses 17 and 19, the 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. In other words, when you took my name and you went to where I wanted you to go, and with my authority, you used my name, guess what? I saw those regional powers fall like lightning out of the heaven. The devil that thought that this earth is his, the devil that thinks he's got control of everything, the devil that thinks he's going to usurp my authority, guess what? When you walked out in my name and you put your foot down on that property and you said this is the Lord says this and the Lord says that, guess what? The evil spirits in the, in the atmosphere would overcome and they fell immediately. Can I tell you, when you use his name, you can sometimes feel the atmosphere change. Amen. You can feel it change. You can experience the change. Well, they came back, and they were so excited about that. And he said to them, Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. Now, I'm not trying to rev people's emotions up today. I learned a long time ago that emotions run out quick. But I'm here trying to tell you that you don't have to sit there and let the devil walk on you. You don't have to just sit there and let this thing that has harassed you, fear, depression, other kinds of strongholds in your mind, anxiety, pornography. I don't know what, it's anything. I'm here to tell you, you don't have to let the devil tread on you. You, No, sir. I hear this all the time. Well, the devil's after me. Wouldn't it be great if the devil began to hear, if we begin to hear the devil say, oh, the church is after me. Jesus was saying, I'm giving you authority and you will tread on serpents and scorpions and guess what? They can't hurt you. You go in my name where I sent you, do what I said, and guess what? You will have the authority over that whole place and anything that wants to resist you. Somebody say amen. Stand with me, please.